0: For listening to the Rivers podcast. For more information on this teaching, visit our website at theriver.info. So I've got some swag on stuff we all get swag. Put it together, everyone. Everyone, you got it. But we don't all get it. This is mine. So hopefully someday you guys will be cool like me, have a hoodie. We're in our Grow series, and this morning what I want to do is take you into the Word because I believe the Word of God is like a seed, as Jesus would say, and if it can take root in our lives, then we can begin to grow. And so some of that comes with an understanding of the Word in ways that maybe we haven't thought of it before. And so we're going to read out of Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. And this is the story of Abraham and Isaac. Who's heard this story before? Some of you just don't like to raise your hands. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. With the donkey, while I and the boy go over there, we will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied, and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham! Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. That's where we get the term Jehovah Jireh. means the Lord will provide. It comes from that story. Where God provided a ram instead of um, Abraham having to kill his own son. Are you ready to go a little deeper? Are the rest of you ready to go a little deeper? I really just needed another drink of water. Let's transition. If you were Jewish and you were reading this story, you would be reading it during a... a a holy day called Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the high holy days, the days of awe, where you say, wow, God, you do awesome stuff. And in during that day, Rosh Hashanah, Jews are called to begin a solemn process of introspection and repentance from past misdeeds and sins. And oftentimes during Rosh Hashanah, you would blow a shofar or a ram's horn that has been made into an actual horn that makes just the most beautiful sound if you've ever heard one. Just kidding, they're terrible. And then during this time, after the shofar would be blown, Jewish rabbis would often take this time to contrast to the difference between Abraham in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah when he argued with God to save at least just some In the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then they would contrast that with Abraham's passive obedience to just kill his own son. If you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, God destroyed it with fire for several reasons. Probably the biggest of which being they could not care for the poor. And so, Jewish rabbis would often contrast this story. Abraham argued to save a few in a city but he just obeyed passively to kill his son. But luckily, you're not Jewish. You are American, and so if, or at least you live here. Or you traveled a really long ways to get here this morning. If you were American, you would be reading this story because it's one of the more popular Sunday school lessons and a story that we all know. You would not blow a shofar. However, kids... If you're the kind of kid who wakes up before your parents get out of bed, you might want to ask for a shofar for Christmas. Because it could be like the rooster crowing. Everyone Everyone would just be ecstatic that you owned this new instrument. But if you were American, your conclusion would be that God was testing Abraham's faith to see if he was willing to go the distance. If he was willing to take that knife and stab it through his own child's heart. Now this causes me to ask a very serious and somewhat funny question. How many of you, please don't respond because I don't want to have to call Child Protective Services, (laughs) would kill your children if God told you to? I would not. I would not kill either of you two, if God told me to. And I have two reasons for this, so rest at ease, Xander. God would never tell me to kill my son as evidenced by the conclusion of this story. He provided a different way. And number two, Jesus held little children up as examples of how we need to be, and he wanted them around him. He wanted them close to him. And so I say to you, God has always been like Jesus. God has never not been like Jesus. And so if you ever hear God say something that Jesus would never say, it might be safe to say that you, my friends, are listening to the wrong God. But I want to take this story a little deeper with you. Trusting the narrative of God's word and say, according to this account, this narrative, the way that it is written, that God is telling Abraham to kill his son. You with me so far? We see a double repetition with God calling out to Abraham and Abraham responding by saying, here I am. God calls out to him and then the angel calls out to him and both times Abraham responds by saying, here I am. And so we can conclude that that God and Abraham are interacting. So yes, God has asked Abraham to kill his son. And so we go back to the story. and, and, And here's the hard part, friends. God tells Abraham to kill his son, and then God stops Abraham from killing his son. God tells Abraham to kill his son, and then he stops him from killing his son. So now we can skip past the elementary questions of, is God schizophrenic? Is he changing his mind? And we can just go into deeper waters and ask, I think, the the big question, what on earth is going on? Like, what the heck? What's going on? Is God just testing Abraham's faith? Is he taking him to this this point to just be like, "Now, now I know, you would slice your son up for me. I want to simplify it for you and I want to take you to the bottom of the ocean of this text and I want to really just simplify it and in order to do this, I need to tell you the story backwards. So I want to start at the climax. Abraham is standing over his son with a knife. I did some contextual study, and I found that the knife looked much like Steve's from Minecraft. It was primitive, so it couldn't be converted into a pickaxe at that time, but nonetheless, it looked a lot like Steve's from Minecraft this is more for the kids than you but some people might find it funny and I understand that I'm trying to joke about a man killing his son which isn't the funniest thing and so that's why I thought this nice little prop would help lighten the the mood Abraham is standing over his son with a knife because God has given him a command and that command is sacrifice your son. And God has told Abraham what is supposed to be. And Abraham is struggling to make this command a reality. And in fact, an angel of the Lord has to stop his hand. And you can almost see the tension, you can feel the struggle. God, I'm struggling to obey you, I know what you've called me to do. I see what you've put in front of me and the thing that you've called me to do, but I just can't get there. Something is stopping me. If this would have happened in modern times, Abraham would have called a small group together and asked them to come pray over him. So God would remove the obstacles so that he could finally do what God is calling him to do. Guys... God has just called me to do this thing, but I keep running into hurdle after hurdle after hurdle, and I can't do it. Can you please pray that God would open a door because he told me to do it, right? That's what we do. That's what we do. God told me to do this thing, and I need to do it. I need to make it happen. I need to put every ounce of energy into making that thing happen. And if there's one hurdle or one obstacle that gets in my way, I need to just push and try and strive and use my effort and spiritual gifts and strength and vision and make that thing happen. And that's what we do, and that's what Abraham did. But maybe God was wanting Abraham to do something different. And he helps him. Maybe God was wanting Abraham to lift his head from the current struggle and command that he had given and look around. Because when Abraham reaches this point of no return, in that moment, God calls him to take his eyes off of the knife And turn them away from all of the pain of being caused by his following God. All of the pain that's being caused by his following God to himself, to his family, to his generations. And see another way. And Abraham lifts his head and he looks around. And about ten feet away he sees a ram caught in a thicket. And God says, there's a new way. You don't have to force that knife down any further. In fact, I'm not going to let you, and I'm going to hold your hand there frozen until you can pick up your head and look around. Now, I told you I was going to tell you the story backwards. And so let me start at the beginning. Before Abraham enters the picture, generations before him, had offered sacrifices to the gods. It works like this. I plant a crop. And if I get a good crop, I believe that the God of rain must have blessed my crop. And so I need to give that God a portion as a thank you for blessing me. And so I do that. It's a tithe of sorts. But the problem comes when there's a drought the next year and you don't get as much of your crop. And so you think, well, the gods must be mad at me and so I need to offer them more to please them. And then the next year, you have a really good crop because you believe you offered more. And so you think, now I have to keep them happy. So you end up offering even more. And you can see how the cycle would continue. It doesn't matter if it's good or it's a bad yield, Of whatever you are growing, you have to give the gods more and more and more and more. And it reaches a point where you can't give them 100% of everything you're growing, so you have to come up with creative ways to please these gods. And so we see with the prophets of Baal, people begin to bleed on the altars, and they begin to cut themselves, and they begin to give some of their body parts to the gods. And it's not that long of a stretch in history before people are offering their children, their firstborns, to the ancient gods, Molech, and the gods who they need to please for their own survival. And so we see this way of life. And we see God inject himself into Abraham's story and tell him something that Abraham would know so well. Something that Abraham wouldn't have had a second thought about. Something that Abraham would have done because he saw his parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles do the same. So he sets Isaac on his donkey and sets off to do what everyone before him has always done. Sacrifice his son. And God tells him to do it. And God tells him to do it. But even with this, we see Abraham having an inkling that something deeper is going on. When Isaac asks, where's where's the sacrifice? Abraham replies, God will provide it. But he ties his son up. And he has that inkling. God, I hope you provide it. And the knife's coming down hard. And his hand is frozen. And I imagine maybe he felt a little frustration and a little peace at the same time. Because this time, friends, it's a different God. It's a God who called Abraham to leave his family. To leave that way of life. It's a a God who told Abraham he loved him and that he would make his nation great. It's a God who will meet us where we're at and guide us as we stumble along this path of following him. And so God brings Abraham to this point of obedience, to the point of sacrifice as Abraham has always understood, has always understood. And in that moment, in that climactical moment, God asks Abraham to look around. Pick up your head and look around. And in that moment, God shows Abraham that the old way of doing this is over. And there's a new way to live. And Abraham sees a ram in the thicket. Luckily for Abraham, the ram was ten feet away. Sometimes for you and me, it might be over a couple mountains. And so I tell you this, friends, in my, in my sincere and humble effort to help you grow, to come alongside you as we move from letting God's word take fruit and seed and just take root in our lives and move to a place where we are bearing fruit, I tell you, all who are desperately trying to follow Jesus all who are spending your time and energy embracing this idea of spiritual growth and telling yourselves, I have to do it this way, I have to do it this way, I have to keep pushing, there's obstacles in my way, I'm trying to do what God has told me to do, but it just doesn't seem to be working. I don't doubt that with everything that is in you, you are following God's voice the best possible way you know how, and I don't doubt that I'm following God's voice the best possible way that I know how, but I do ask you this. Has God met you where you're at? Has he walked with you as you try to follow his voice to the best of your ability? And are you able to see when he's stopping your hand from forcing what you believe to be his will? Are you able to see it? Is Jesus asking you to lift your head and look up and see a new way? A way that is filled with less striving and trying and fighting for what you know is right. But instead filled with love and joy and peace. Where you don't have to earn it and where you don't have to make it happen. I think so and I think that's the message of Jesus. And so maybe, just maybe, if you'll entertain my idea for a moment... The point of this story is that we stop trying to force our hand down and make the way that we know God has told us. But instead, we lift our heads and we look around. We see the ways that He's providing the graceful and seemingly effortless, beautiful way that doesn't have you harming yourself and those around you in an effort to please God. I want to pray for you but once I finish praying for you we do have one announcement so please don't just get up and walk out when I say amen. But if you would like to with me receive a new way that God has for us and, and recognize sometimes that he does just freeze our hand and he wants us to pick up our head and see what else he has. Just hold out your hands and let's receive this. Father in Jesus name. We thank you that you stopped Abraham's hand. We thank you that you entered into his narrative. And into his story. And you drew him to something greater and freer. And more beautiful and more effortless. And we ask that. You do the same For us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, check us out online at theriver.info.